The Beatles have kept pretty much to themselves in the last seven or eight months. They haven't released many single recordings. There have been thousands of rumors about their breakup. They'd say they're not going to tour anymore. They're not going to travel around. Would you pay to see them in person if they came to your town? Where I wouldn't pay be? if they came to my town. I mean, you know, I don't like the Beatles. Let us take you now to England, if I may, in a very, very interesting and different-looking Beatles with strawberry fields forever. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Strawberry fields forever. Nothing is real, Andrew. Nope. No. This is top two or three Beatles song for me. Top ten songs of all time. It's hard to describe for him what makes it great. It's a poem that gets deeper the more you think about it. Is he saying your memories aren't real? Is it possibly an indictment of nostalgia? Anyway, I like how the music builds as it goes along. With starting in the second verse, you got the violins and the horns. And in the third verse, it seemingly speeds up. The line, no one I think is in my tree, I mean it must be high or low, articulates a specific feeling as well as anybody, I think. It, it's great. I mean, it might be the quintessential Lennon song, right? Like, there's a reason why there's a section of Central Park that is named Strawberry Fields for him, right? Like, it also, like, it distills the experimental parts of the Beatles that were kind of shoved in your face by songs like Tomorrow Never Knows and Rain, Mm. but it makes it digestible to radio listeners, for example. And, like, that's a total compliment because it's, like, it's easy to be weird. Like, I know it's hard to be weird, like, and, like, break barriers and whatnot, but it's also, like, once you do that, like, it's easy to just be strange for the sake of being strange. But it's also, but I think it's harder to be weird, but make it poppy. Because <laughs> it's like yeah. you're playing by some rules, but subverting them at the same time. Like, that's almost more groundbreaking to me. Like, it's just breaking more conventions. Absolutely. John said Strawberry Fields was psychoanalysis set to music. But that's yeah. He put it pretty well. Yeah. He wrote the song in Almeria, Spain in autumn nineteen sixty six while filming his role as Private Gripweed in the Richard Lester movie How I Won the War. Uh John said Dick Lester offered me the part in this movie which gave me time to think without going home. We were in Almeria, and it took me six weeks to write the song. I was writing it all the time, I was making a film. And as anybody knows about film work, there's a lot of hanging around. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, during this time, you know, the Beatles weren't touring, so they had time to do other stuff. George went to India, and Ringo did. Ringo stayed home with his wife and kid, and Paul worked on uh, uh, the score to a movie, The Family Way. Working on Lester's film without his bandmates left John feeling vulnerable According to his wife, Cynthia, he was also distraught to learn in late October that Alma Cogan, the English singer whom, quote, he'd, earned, he'd earmarked to replace Aunt Mimi in his affections, had died in London at the age of 34. In the first versions that Lennon committed to tape in September, there was no reference to Strawberry Field. Lennon most likely drew inspiration, according to author Steve Turner, from Nikos Kenzatekis' autobiographical novel Report to Greco, 
which he was reading in Almeria, and tells of a writer searching for spiritual meaning. In Turner's description to Psalms opening line, Let Me Take You Down, establishes John as a spiritual leader, in keeping with his statements in the word, Rain and Tomorrow Never Knows. While Lennon's contention that in Strawberry Field nothing is real reflects the concept of Maya, or illusion, as conveyed in the Hindu teachings that Lennon was also reading during the weeks on the film set. Lennon said the song reflected how he had felt different all my life. He called it psychoanalysis at the music and one of his most honest songs. In Paul's view, the lyrics reflect John's admiration of the 19th century English writer Lewis Carroll, particularly his poem Jabberwocky. Through the lens of LSD, the song turned from simple nostalgia to inward reflection. Lennon's self-doubt came to the foray, at times clouded by inarticulacy, inarticulancy, uh, ironic, and hallucinogenic hmm. sensations. He later describes Story Fields Forever Along With Help as one of the few true songs I ever wrote. They were the ones I really wrote from experience and not projecting myself into a situation and writing a nice story about it. The song's working title was It's Not Too Bad. <clears throat> so, yeah, well, Jeff Emmerich uh, described uh, what happened when they all got back from their adventures. George Ward said, right then, let's get to work. What have you got for me? Paul started to say something, but before he could answer, John shouted out, I've got a good one for a starter. John could talk over most people if he wanted to, and he was never shy about jumping the queue. In fact, the first session for almost every Beatles album was devoted to recording one of his songs. A half-smile played across Paul's face as he shrugged his shoulders, backing down gracefully. And to be fair, Paul would have pitched When I'm 64. That's the song he had. Oh, God. So. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. For, for the very first note, it was obvious this new London song was a masterpiece. He had created a gentle, almost mystical tribute to some mysterious place, a place he called Strawberry Fields. I had no idea what the lyric was about, but the words were compelling, like abstract poetry, and there was something magical in the spooky, detached timbre of John's voice. When he finished, there was a moment of stunned silence, broken by Paul, who in a quiet, respectful tone said simply, That is absolutely brilliant. He's right. He's right, yeah. The Mellotron was a fairly new keyboard instrument in 1966, which the Moody Blues' Mike Pinder had introduced to the Beatles the year before. The instrument had a bank of magnetic audio tapes inside, each lasting approximately 8 seconds, and containing a range of pre-recorded sounds. These tape loops could be used to mimic other instruments. The Beatles used the flute sound for the introduction to Strawberry Fields Forever, which was played by Paul. The song was one of the Beatles' most complicated report recordings, with George Martin, they spent some time working on the arrangement, going through various remakes and spending an unprecedented 55 hours of studio time completing the song. Is it- John Lennon decided he liked both November 29th's Take 7 and a more elaborate and intense remake and asked George Martin for a combination of the two. Uh, George Martin pointed out they are in different keys and different tempos. And John insisted they could fix it. And as usual, it turned out John was right. <laughs> Uh, the two recordings were toned apart, but they found that by speeding up the first version and slowing down the second, they were able to match. So it's take 7 and take 26. The tape speed of the remake was slowed by 11.5%, which brought the tempos and keys of both versions into line. The edit can be heard on the final version at precisely 60 seconds, immediately prior to the words going to in the second chorus. 
Among the fair, faintly audible comments over Dakota, cranberry sauce was taken to be leaden intoning I buried Paul by proponents of the Paul is dead hoax. A theory that contended that Paul McCartney had died in November 1966 and been replaced in the Beatles by a lookalike. John was actually saying cranberry sauce for the simple reason we were recording around the time of the Thanksgiving holiday, according to Jeff Emmerich. And just before a take, we had all been chatting about turkey and all the trimmings and how Americans traditionally ate such a meal at that time of year. As one, do, as one does. As one does. Shortly before his death in 1980, surprise, surprise, Lennon expressed dissatisfaction with the final version of the song, saying it was badly recorded and accusing Paul McCartney of subconsciously sabotaging the recording. George Martin remained proud of the track. He described it as a complete tone poem, like a modern Debussy. The films were first broadcast in America on the Ed Sullivan Show and in Britain on Top of the Pops. Uh, on February 25th, they aired on the Hollywood Palace, a traditional U.S. variety program hosted by actor Van Johnson. Amid screams from female members of the studio audience, Johnson bemusedly introduced Strawberry Fields Forever with the comment, It's a musical romp through an open field with psychedelic overtones and a feeling of expanded consciousness. If you know what that means, let me know. Hmm. And famously, to me, on American Bandstand, Dick Clark introduced the music videos of Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane. Let's hear what they had to say, the, those, these crazy kids, after Strawberry Fields Forever. I know we'll, we'll just keep looking at this for a second. Then I want to get your impression of what you've just seen. As they slowly fade away. What did you think of that? That is great. <laughs> What did you think? I don't like their hair. Their mustache. They didn't dig the mustache, is it? What, did, what was your comment? I don't know. They look, they look older, and it ruins their image, really. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? That was funny. And you? I liked it. They're ugly. <laughs> their mustaches are weird. How about back here? They came out with a twist. They're like grandfathers or something. Shit, man. It's like somebody's grandfather. But they looked okay. Look good. Interesting. All righty. Let's go on now. Back once again to England. A different look. This story I remember, and I thought it was not true because I couldn't find it online, but apparently it, it, it was in the Wikipedia and in a book. Uh, Brian Wilson, who had been struggling to complete the Beach Boys' Smile album, first heard Strawberry Fields on his car radio, while under the influence of barbiturates. In the recollection, recollection of his passenger at the time, Michael Vossi, Wilson just shook his head and said, They did it already. What I wanted to do was smile. Maybe it's too late. And some people think it helped him descend into madness, which... Uh, yeah, sounds, sounds I weird. would hope not, but... Mm-hmm. Oh. They, uh, George Barton said his biggest regret was not having Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane on Sgt. Pepper, but Brian Epstein, because of the Beatles' hiatus, uh, he wanted a really strong single, and mm-hmm. they sure got it. Uh, it was the first time this, uh, the United Kingdom the single failed to top the singles chart since Please Please Me. It was held off the number one spot by Engelbert Humperdinck's Release Me. <clears throat> Its failure to top the record retail chart provoked comments in the UK press that the Beatles' position of eminence was at an end, with headlines such as, Has the bubble burst? 
The band were unperturbed. In Ringo's recollection, it was a relief and took the pressure off the group. While John said in a late 1966 interview, we sort of have hope for the downfall. A nice downfall. Then we would just be a pleasant old memory. Paul later recalled reading the newspapers his predictions with amusement and thinking, you just wait, confident of the quality of Sgt. Pepper. There was rumors they were going to disband. Furthermore, the failure of Sgt. Strawberry Fields to top the charts caused many believe their popularity was declining. We'll see we about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. The song was covered by Todd mm-hmm. Rundgren, Tomorrow, Ben Harper, The Bee Gees, The Bobs, Eugene Chadbourne, Sandy Farina, Lawrence Juber, David Lands, Cindy Lauper, Me First <laughs> and the Gimme Gimmies, Mother's Finest, Odetta, Andy Partridge, The Shadows, Plastic Penny, The Ventures, and Cassandra Wilson. Love Count Zero. We are beyond yes. love, okay? <laughs> Josie scaled an enthusiastic yeah. yeah. Yeah! The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.